You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin, and my name is JJ Leahy. Gil's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from OTAs to training camp, we got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Well, folks, we would really like to hear from you. We are putting together a listener survey. Um, there's a lot of people who listen to this show and not a lot who we hear from. So we just have some questions that uh, we'd like you to fill out. It's a pretty quick survey. shouldn't take you more than like a minute. We're going to put a link to the survey in the show notes. So if you're listening on, I don't know, iTunes, Spotify, whatever, there should be show notes there. You can also go over to PackersTalk.com. Uh, you're going to click on the podcasts tab and go down to No Huddle, and you'll find the most recent episode of the show right there. And you can find the survey and click it. Uh, I'm also going to put a link. You can go to dailycheese.news slash survey, and that will send you to the No Huddle Radio survey as well. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, we'd super appreciate it. We just really would like to uh, just, you know, ask you guys some questions about how you're feeling about the podcast. What are some things you like and don't like? What are some um, stuff that you'd like to see us change or keep doing? Because we are getting close to heading into year number two of doing this podcast. And so that'll be, uh, we have done over 40 episodes already weekly. And we are um, going to be rolling into our, our second year, like I said. And, and we're talking about what we want the future of the show to look like. So that would be super helpful. We really greatly appreciate it if you would go ahead and fill that out for us. Um, and unlike uh, some of the other uh, polls and stuff that we've sent out. There's no account necessary to fill this out. You just go to the survey, answer a couple questions, and hit submit, and that's it. You're done. Speaking of things that are just done, hi, Gil Martin. How are you doing? I am good. How are you doing? <laughs> hey, okay, so we got to talk about uh, our poll results from last week's debate. Do we have to? <laughs> yeah, we do, because I'm just hoping that like I can shame you into making a better argument this week and Ooh. winning over our listeners, because I'm on a hot winning streak of like two now, or maybe even three. Uh -oh. And, uh, and, and right. la this last week, it was bad. I, I kicked your butt 85 to, to uh, 15. Wow. Actually, 85.7 to 14.3. We were debating uh, which new addition to the Packers wide receiver room will be the bigger impact in 2021. I said Amari Rogers. You said Devin Funchess. Look, at least you went with your heart and, and you argued for the guy that you really believed in. I did. I did. And uh, we'll see. I mean, look, you know what? If either one of them contribute a lot, it's good for the Green Bay Packers. So uh, to me, the results are more important than who you know, which player gets them. 
And uh, I, I tend to believe it takes rookies a little more time, you know, to to really integrate into the offense. But we'll see. We'll see. Speak, speaking of rookies, we got uh, training camp is starting up pretty soon. I think there's only like 19 days until the vets start showing up to camp. Uh, and then after training camp, I mean, we got our, our preseason games are coming up. Gil, which players are you really excited to see in, uh, in, in these preseason games? Well, I, I mean, you got to start with Jordan Love. I mean, that's the the great unknown. And, and I'll tell you right now, if Aaron Rodgers announced right now, today, that he's coming back and everything is good and everything's been worked out, I still think the majority of Packer fans would be very eager to know after last year where Jordan Love wasn't active for a game, didn't have preseason games. You know, we we know we have not seen him do anything except for a couple of drills at OTAs this year. So seeing Jordan Love, I think, is is probably priority one. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I want to see the top three draft picks and how they do, especially mm-hmm. I mean, Stokes. Uh, how how quickly is he going to pick up the NFL game? Obviously, Myers, you know, they're projecting him as the starting center. How is he measuring up? And then Amari Rogers. Uh, everybody seems to be very excited about his potential. I want to see, you know, what he brings in uh, in a preseason game situation. Yeah, I think Eric Stokes is a big one for me because he was a first round pick and he's going to be, you know, in line to be, uh, I would say, the second guy on the depth chart at CB2. So you got Kevin King, I'm sure, is listed higher on the depth chart. And when he when they spent so much draft capital on him and, you know, they really want him to take over, he's going to get so many snaps in the preseason. He might play you know, <laughs> just about every snap that his uh, his body can hold up to because they they want to give him all the practice that they can and they want to see what he can do. I'm excited to see that. Uh, uh, I think uh, a lot of the rookies from last year that we really never got a chance to see very much. That's going to be fun to see. Uh, you know, you're going to even guys like uh, Jonathan Garvin are going to be getting some opportunities and, and they'll be out there in the field and you'll go, Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that guy because last year's rookie class didn't get to play at all because due to the pandemic, they never had a chance to learn what they were doing. And so, you know, you can't be uh, affording to, to pull guys off of, you know, pull starters uh, to throw some of the rookies out there and get them experience in, you know, during the regular season, especially uh, when the team has such lofty aspirations. So I'm excited about that. And uh, I think that that'd be a, it's a little bit early to talk about it now, but in a couple of weeks, I think we're going to have a lot to say about training camp and the preseason games. And I'm really excited to watch it. I cannot tell you, like you said, just how excited I am to see how good is Jordan love. Does he stink? Uh, maybe I'd like to see it though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't know what he what he's going to do. Look, you know, you always hear about this too, and you know, there are players who are practice players and players who are game players, and you know, sometimes there are guys who are both. Sometimes there are guys who are neither. They don't last very long. But uh, you know, just seeing what a guy can do without pads and OTAs, without contact doesn't mean a heck of a lot i want to see what he does under game circumstances and uh i'm looking forward to it and and again 
even if this whole Aaron Rodgers thing didn't exist, never was a problem, never was an issue. What does what Aaron Rodgers usually do in the preseason? Play one or two series in the in the whole preseason? We're going to see a lot of Jordan Love either way. Uh, I'm also excited to see Blake Bortles because, uh, look, we don't know. Maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers comes back and he plays, but toward the end of the season, you know, he might get hurt. It'd be really cool to to know what we have in Blake Bortles. Could he be a guy who goes out there and just lights it up for a game? Absolutely, he could. Uh, you know, and either Jordan or Blake Bortles could be on the field in the playoffs because you never know. Guys get hurt all the time. Yeah. So e- even if Aaron Rodgers is back, I still want to see what we have in our backup quarterbacks. I think that's going to be really exciting. And I think I don't know if it's next week for sure, but we're going to be talking about quarterbacks those backup quarterbacks um, in pretty great detail. And today we are starting with a different position group. We're going to do a deep dive on our running backs. And if we have time after talking about running backs, we're going to get it into the tight ends as well. Um, and I say if we have time, because you and I are both very wordy and I could easily see <laughs> <laughs> not saving up time for tight ends. And I'll just tell you right now, who I would rather I would rather not skimp on tight ends because it's a phenomenally important position. So if we run out of time, uh, well, tight ends are just gonna have to wait till next week, man. If it has to, it has to. We'll be All here. Right. All right, let's let's look at our running backs because the running back room at surface level doesn't look too much different than it did last year, but I think it's gonna be a big difference. You know, we've seen the Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams show for several years now. We've really had three years of seeing those guys really handle duties, uh, although the first of those three years was a little bit different. And A.J. Dillon just really only got featured in a couple of games. He came in against the Buccaneers in both of those games. Obviously, he had his monster game against the Titans. And although he seems like he's got phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Uh, and, and we think we know what kind of a player he's going to be. The fact of the matter is that his presence on the roster did not change the offense. One iota last year, he just wasn't getting used because they were uh, relying really heavily on Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And I, I never got the sense other than that Titans game that they were ever scheming up specific plays for AJ Dillon. It was more like, all right, we need a fresh set of legs. Here's the call that we were going to give to Jamal. Give it to AJ instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, the big thing for Dillon, there is very little doubt that he can run the football. The thing that he needs to do to really either get the full role that Jamal Williams had, or even to exceed that, he's got to prove he can pass block and he can run some patterns out of the backfield when called upon. And uh-huh. we know he can run the football. If he can do those two things, he will have the confidence of Matt LaFleur. He will have the confidence of whoever the quarterback is going to be. And he will be a big part of this offense because So much of the Matt LaFleur offense is based on deception, running different plays out of identical formations. If you have a guy who you know if he's in there, you're probably running the football, it takes away that element and the coaching staff won't stand for it. 
Well, yeah, that pass pro is going to be a really big deal. I think when it comes to him as a receiving back, I think we're starting to get some pretty loud hints that he's not half bad. Uh, right. We saw it at OTAs that uh, he can catch a ball. Seems like he can run routes pretty well. I'm actually really optimistic about him as a receiving back. Uh, you know, Derek Henry does not catch a lot of passes. I think that could be something that really sets AJ Dillon apart is that, uh, you know, he, he, I don't know if he's going to be Aaron Jones, but he could be Jamal Williams. And that's, that's all you're asking for as a receiver. Right. And look, hopefully it's something that he's able to do. And if it's not, they will have certain situations where they use him in, but you know, I think if he has trouble with the receiving and or the pass blocking, that opens up the door for whoever the third running back is going to be and gives them a, a bigger opportunity to carve out a little bit of a niche. Maybe. I think we're going to talk about the uh, the candidates at running back three. But I want to make a prediction here. I'm going to take a stance. I, I feel pretty strongly that by the end of the season, by by, uh, you know, I'm not going to definitively say what, what the playoffs would look like, but let's say by like week 14 or so, I kind of think Dylan's going to be RB1 in terms of carries. Wow, that is, that is a bold prediction. Um, I, I, the best I could imagine, barring injury, is that he's 1A, that you've got two backs who get roughly the same number of carries, uh, they want to keep Aaron Jones fresh. He is, you know, five, nine, not the, uh, biggest guy he's had durability issues in the past. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't see them ever going to Aaron Jones and saying, unless it's a playoff game. Yeah. You're getting the ball 25, you know, 25, 30 touches a game. That's not the way they're going to use Aaron Jones, but I don't necessarily envision barring injury that A.J. Dillon becomes the, the number one back. I could see him getting roughly equal touches, but I don't know about exceeding Aaron Jones at this point. Now, another big thing that we have to take into consideration is we still don't know if Rodgers is going to be back this year. Right. And if he's not, I think it would be folly to suggest that the Packers are not going to be a more run-heavy team. And Aaron Jones, I think, is already kind of getting as many carries as he can get. So you're looking at, you know, A.J. Dillon not only eating up Jamal Williams snaps, but uh, all these new snaps as well. I th- he, he is just he's the guy who's built to take that workload and that punishment. He, he can he can't absolutely can do it. And I think something I've been kind of comparing these guys to, I don't know if I've ever said it on any podcast ever, but in my head, I've thought a lot that these two guys could be really something special like we saw, I want to say it was 2018 where you had Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram just running over everybody down in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I think that was the year that he had that, that duo and they were both fantastic and they were both actually uh, pretty hefty um, fantasy football running backs (laughs) that year. And if, if they are, especially if whoever is the quarterback is not playing at a super high level. 
you're going to need those running backs as involved as possible. And I think no matter what, this offense is still going to be lethal. But the question is going to be, okay, what we saw, what we've seen historically um, for the last two years of the LaFleur offense with Aaron Rodgers under center is that it's Rodgers driven. And then the running backs are the ones who really uh, hurt you and keep you honest. And I, I, I could very conceivably see a situation if you're starting Jordan Love out there this year and he's struggling a bit, or even if he's not struggling a bit, but you know maybe the brunt of the offense is now being carried by the running backs, and that takes a lot of pressure off of Love, gives him more time to make his reads, and he can still be quite lethal as a passer. But if your first concern is stopping <laughs> Derrick Henry then you're not going to be as concerned about trying to stop Jordan Love. Well, you know, you're setting it up almost like Jordan Love could be the next Ryan Tannehill in that, you know, no one thinks Ryan Tannehill is one of the best five quarterbacks in the league, but because of the way they use him and the way they set that offense up, statistically, he comes close to being one of the best quarterbacks in the league because they maximize his efficiency. They play to his strengths. They have a great running game. And he's able to produce like a top five quarterback, even though he isn't a top five quarterback. Now, I want to talk about the other running backs on the roster. But before we do that, we have to talk about a running back need that we have. And that is that third down back who can pass block and run routes. And I think the only guy that we have outside of, I just don't know what Patrick Taylor can do because we've never seen him outside of that. I think the only guy is Aaron Jones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think he's the best. Yeah. You don't get that dynamic from Kylan Hill at all. You don't get it from Dexter Williams either. Well, Uh, you know, Williams might be, well, he didn't do a lot of pass receiving at Notre Dame. Let's, let's, you know, but but he definitely can't pass block and Kylan Hill cannot pass block either. Now, Kylan might be able to learn, but as of right now, no, he can't pass block at all. Right. Which, which to me gives him a ceiling until he learns to pass block. I think his ceiling is special teams. I don't think that Matt LaFleur is going to allow him on the field with the offense until he learns to pass block. Not extensively, and not unless it's a specific situation where that's not a factor. I agree. I agree with that. Hmm. That's true. What are, what are some situations where that would be the case? Third and one. You know? <laughs> I mean, fourth and one, a uh, goal line situation, uh, or you know, a situation where uh, goal line, I could see him being pretty used in the goal line. You Maybe you have a situation, now you don't see this very often, but maybe you got Kylan Hill, Aaron Jones, and A.J. Dillon all out there on goal line. Right. Yeah, I, and, I could see that. Oh, that would be really interesting. Um, did I say Kylan Hill? Yeah, Kylan you Hill. Did. He can... Um, I mean, he he can really run. He's, he's a little bit got a nose for the end zone like Aaron Jones does. And he he's really physical, very punishing with his body as he mm-hmm. rams through guys. Um, and the the awesome thing about all that is that you have at least at least one guy for sure in Aaron Jones who could slip out and be a receiver on that play. 
Yeah. Yeah, and that, again, creates different options, different things for a defense to think about, and that's one of the keys to how Matt LaFleur wants his offense to run. Now, Patrick Taylor, um, I don't have a ton of information, like, firsthand, but I have read other people's, you know, people who watched him more extensively at Memphis – um, and who got to see him last year in uh, in training camp. Patrick Taylor, it seems like, can pass block quite well. Mm-hmm. So even though he is easily the uh, littlest name out of that trio of Dexter Williams, Kylan Hill, and Patrick Taylor, he might really have a head start on the other two guys because of his his pass protection abilities. I don't, I have no idea if he can catch passes at all. No, I'm not really sure about that either. And at the end of the day, you know, things like that may make a difference between him making the practice squad, making the roster or being sent home. That becomes a vital thing. Filling, you know, having that skill set, having a unique skill set, contributing on special teams. Those are all important things when you're trying to make the roster toward the bottom of the of the 53 man. I think all three of those guys have pretty high ceilings. I think from what we know of each of them right now, they're all very incomplete, but if they could put it all together and be well-rounded backs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they, I, I think that they have uh, Aaron Jones or at least Jamal Williams, you know, level ceiling. So it would be really interesting to see. Dexter is just one of those guys like I'm I'm, I'm never going to quit believing in him until he gets cut and he's either out of the league or signed by a different team. But I've, I've always really enjoyed watching Dexter run because he's got like this long, lanky body. He's yep. five. He's five eleven, which is actually um, makes him only the third tallest running back. Uh, he see because A.J. Dillon is six foot. And Patrick Taylor is 6'2". That's a that's a big boy for a running back. Yeah, yeah. But he's just got this really long torso. He runs really low to the ground. He just, to me, when I see him running, he looks like an alligator, just like <laughs> snaking through there. I guess maybe an alligator isn't really what you want in a, in a running back. But I've always thought the same, same thing when watching Alvin Kamara run as well. So uh, I'll stand by it. I've, I've, always, I've always thought of an alligator when I see Alvin Kamara. But... I, I I think as a runner, he does have one uh, flaw, and that's ball security. His, well, that's his, big. It, it is, and I think I think it's the number one reason why he has not gotten a ton of opportunities with the Packers. I still think it's pass blocking is the biggest reason why he hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities. Uh, and you know, little column A, little column B, little yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, look. We've seen him in the preseason in 2019. We've seen him at Notre Dame. The kid can run. There, there, there's no question about the fact that he is capable of being a dynamic running back uh, just from the standpoint of, of running the football. But in the Matt LaFleur offense, if you want to have you know a good role, there's a lot more that running backs need to do. And he hasn't proven that he can do those things consistently well yet. All right, before we move on to tight ends, because I think we have time for that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you to paint a picture for me of assume that the uh, the 
Aaron Rodgers is not back. All right. Mm-hmm. And, and we are looking at a more run centric offense. Right. Paint a picture for me of what does that look like if everything is going perfectly and you got your first two running backs and whoever you want for running back three. Paint a picture for me of what the ceiling is for these guys. Well, I think the ceiling for Aaron Jones, assuming he stays healthy, is another, you know, thousand yard plus season with 40 plus catches and 10 or more total touchdowns. I think. You know, we've seen what he can do, and maybe he could even take it up a little notch. Uh, To me, a successful A.J. Dillon season would be maybe that he's out on the field for 50, 55 percent of the plays. There'll be some formations where they'll have both Jones and Dillon out there. Uh, I could see him gaining five, six hundred yards, being the goal line guy in some situations, the short yardage guy in some situations and maybe catching 15, 20 passes over the course of the season. And then RB3, uh, you know, I think Kylan Hill has the inside track to that. And, you know, maybe he does what Dylan did last year as far as, you know, 10, 15% of the carries, spot work when we're behind or ahead, and uh, learning learning the system and learning the game and, and trying to work on those uh, you know, those non running the football skills to to make him a better player down the line and give him a bigger role down the line. Very interesting. I, I think one thing I want to throw out to maybe complement that picture is here are the stats for Aaron Jones's 2019 season. So you did have Aaron Rodgers under center, but he was not super familiar with the new offense, uh, the the passing offense in general that year was not great for the Packers. And, you know, whether he's back or not this year, he also has missed the entire offseason program and, and looks on track to possibly be continue to miss more of it. And, and, and also still not at the very least, he was not involved with Matt LaFleur in in planning out what the offense would look like, which he was last year. All right. So. Right. Aaron Jones in 2019 had 19 total touchdowns, 16 on the ground, three through the air. Uh, He had 49 receptions. He was targeted 68 times. I think that is what Aaron Jones looks like when the passing offense is not the driver of the offense. When, When you can't count on it to be perfect like it pretty much was in 2020 in the Matt LaFleur offense. And similarly, I think you look at uh, when, when Derek Henry first really started getting used in Matt LaFleur's first year with him, or really his, his only year with him. Right. So that would be 2018. Let's look at his stats from 2018. All right. And, and he really did not go get going until very late in the season, but still he had, 16 touchdowns he in 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 the receiving game he was hardly utilized at all he had two touchdowns uh 18 receptions on 24 targets um i i think derrick henry in 2018 was i looking at the right year 2018, 2018 yeah yep uh i i read off derrick henry's 2019 stats here's ah, his 2018 okay. stats okay yep. Go ahead. He had 12 touchdowns. 
he still got over a thousand yards. That was the first time in his career he cracked a thousand yards, um, including his one ninety-nine <laughs> yard touchdown. Right, which was incredible. And then uh, he was roughly the same passing. He had zero touchdowns, but he was targeted about the same number of times, fifteen times, um, or eighteen times he was targeted, fifteen he caught. I I think that that right there is similar to what I'm expecting from AJ Dillon this year. Not yeah. not saying not saying he's going to get a thousand yards, but certainly I I think he'll get. 700 yards at least this season. I, I think that's probably uh, the high end, again, assuming that Jones remains healthy. But, you know, the other thing to me, and you got to remember this, with Derrick Henry in 2018, he did not become the focal point of that Matt LaFleur Tennessee Titans offense until the last half of the season. And, and again, th- that's kind of what I'm predicting this year is that A.J. Dillon is going to be buried behind Aaron Jones for at least the first half of the season. I think you're going to see, uh, I think I said like around week 13, week 14, really see them just start to really run the offense through A.J. A. Dillon with, I think also, it, it'll also be uh, you know matchup dependent. If you get a team earlier on in the year, who would just be a real mismatch. Uh, I I think that Matt LaFleur would have no trouble running the offense through him that week uh, as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's look at the tight end. So uh, Coach Hahn was on this show uh, a couple months ago. Really love having him on here. And he had the pleasure of talking to Packers tight ends coach Justin Outen recently. And he got a lot of really awesome information from uh, Coach Outen about their tight ends, all right? And Coach Outen laid out very clearly that there are, in in the eyes of the Packers, they have three distinct types of tight ends, all right? So we already know that they have that H-back position. Mm -hmm. Well, the the Packers call that their F. So we like to say H-back. The Packers call it their F. So they have their F, and that is going to be your, like, Josiah DeGuara role. You have your Y, and that is Mercedes Lewis. Your blocking tight end, you you can use him in the passing game as well, uh, in short and intermediate routes. But their traditional uh, responsibility is they're a very unselfish and tough blocker they're an extension of the offensive line they're just the sixth o lineman right and and one of the notes that coach outen had here is that they want that y position there i should say their y tight end to be very physical and violent all right i, I got a note here good hat <laughs> speed to reach and drive a defender must be able to run and block second and third level defenders must be able to pass protect this is mm-hmm. Mercedes Lewis and love Mercedes. He's like 70 years old at this point, at least he's 50 <laughs> years old years. Right? in football. years, <laughs> Yeah. <I> mean. <laughs> so th- that position is not going to go away when he retires. They, they're, they're, they're going to need a new guy behind him. So expect that to be coming soon, I think. And then their third type of tight end, they call a dual. And he literally has a picture attached to it, <laughs> Coach Outen does, of right. Robert Tunyon. Yep. 
Critical factors. Versatility. Position flexibility, either inline, wing, or opened up. They are a big passing threat. The ability to stretch the field must have natural hands. Loved seeing that from Tunyon last year. Yeah. And you know who else fits that description if he ever lives up to his billing? Jace Sternberger. Yeah, I think, I think uh, you know, clearly Jimmy Graham was the first iteration of this. And Sternberger, I think, was supposed to come in and be Jimmy Graham. And instead, Sternberger got hurt. And the coaches said, eh, you know, this Tunyon kid is pretty good. Let's roll with him. Right. The final well, note. They, they didn't have a choice at that point, really. But yeah. And thank thank God that uh, that Tunyon had the the talent and had been putting in all that work for three years to finally take that leap. Absolutely. And and it paid off. That's, you know, developing your players. That's that's where it, it pays off because, you know, he learned for a couple of years and then when he needed to step up, he was there to step up. Now, do we end up seeing that from a number of other players who the Packers have been developing up and down the roster? That's what coaching's all about. Uh, side note, did you know Coach Alton said he only gets eight minutes a day to work with his tight ends when they're wow. in camp. The wow. rest, it, he said that, that he is like every day he's going over and like arguing with LaFleur until he's purple in the face. Like, just give me 30 more seconds to teach these guys more things. <laughs> I need more than eight minutes. And LaFleur's like, sorry, I got other stuff I need them to do. You can't have yeah. me longer than that. That's it. Wow. Eight minutes a day is what he gets with his tight ends. Crazy. Mm-mm-mm. The final critical factor that Justin Alton listed for the dual tight end, not a one trick pony. He wants them to compete in the run game. That's what he says. And look, Tunyon is a, is a great blocker. He tells a phenomenal story of, I think this was between the second and third season with the team. Mm-hmm. So like after the 2019 off season, He's at like, uh, I think it's like a Christmas party or a Thanksgiving party. Maybe it's a Thanksgiving party with a bunch of his teammates and Bakhtiari is there. And they're all like just laughing and stuff, not talking about football stuff. And all of a sudden, Bakhtiari turns to him and says, you know, you're not doing enough. He's just like (laughs) dead serious. And he's like, you're hurting the team because I've seen you block and it sucks. Wow. And wow. Tun- Tunyon's, you know, the blood just like drains out of his face. He just feels like lower than low because, you know, you got this probably Hall of Fame uh, left tackle talking to you here and calling you out and saying you're not doing your job. Mm-hmm. And he has he has become a much more uh, willing and physical blocker since then. He, I mean, he took that to heart and, and worked his butt off on that. And it's paid dividends. And this is you know, a big factor of that dual tight end. But then there is that third type of tight end, the F. All right. And the the uh, traditional H back, I think of it as like, you know, all right, a, a tight end is already a hybrid position of like an offensive lineman and a receiver. And the, the H back is kind of like a fullback and offensive lineman hybrid. So you, and, and, and look, you know, DeGuara was used on a couple of really cool plays last year where he, uh, you know, they 
pre-snap, they motion him across, and uh, everybody's all running one way, and he's like, oh, I don't know, nine or ten yards laterally down the field the other way, and Rodgers turns around and passes to him, and you can't defend that, because what they want is for you to send a defender after him. Right. And then all of a sudden you got a, a mismatch on the other side and you're you can't opening defend. things up. And then if, if you do go ahead and just commit to stopping the, the, the actual play that they have, well then DeGuara is wide open there. And that's minimum. That's an easy five yards before you can get a, uh, a linebacker or a defensive back screaming over to the side to stop him from, uh, you know, worst case scenario, taking it a long way down the field. Right. Yeah, it, it's a total setup. It is scheming people open, and it's, uh, you know, giving... But the, the key to that kind of a situation is also, though, that the quarterback picks the right read and knows when to go to which player. And, you know, if you don't have Aaron Rodgers there this year, you have an inexperienced guy like Jordan Love, it may take him some time to get up to speed as to how to, you know, maximize the possibilities that go along with a play like that. Yeah, absolutely. So we got a lot of tight ends on the roster. Oh boy, do um, we? <laughs> I, I, I think it's highly unlikely that um, more than four of these guys make it to the fifty-three because pretty much every year. The Packers keep four tight ends. Once in a great while, they keep five. Maybe this right. is a year when they keep five because you got five guys that I think are really worth keeping. Mm-hmm. So Robert Tunyon is a lock. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, especially when you look at his contract and the fact that I don't know that you have anybody else on the roster who could play that Y tight end. Right. I think he's probably a lock. Now, if you wanted to move on from him to save like a couple bucks, Bronson Kafusi on the roster is the same height as Mercedes Lewis. He's three pounds heavier. He's 30 years old compared to Mercedes, as we said, being 70. Okay, Mercedes is only 37, but he doesn't he feel a lot older than that? He's He's been in the league for 13 fewer years than Mercedes. So he's actually um, kind of... Uh, let's see. He was a little bit old when he when he entered the league. Then, uh, he's only because he entered the league when he was twenty seven. Right. Bronson well, Kafusi, Bronson Kafusi is maybe a guy who uh could be a Y on the depth chart behind Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Or he could end up on the practice squad this year and then compete for that position next year if Lewis retires. Could be. I mean, he he's 30. He'll be 31 next year. This is his third year in the league. I don't know, you know, what you're really expecting from him. I, I, I don't think he makes probably even the practice squad. He was on the practice squad all last year. Right. Um, I mean, it's a position change for him as well. He was not always a tight end. Yeah, what was he? I forget. I think he was a defensive lineman prior to that. Yeah, interesting switch. And that would kind of lend toward why that why role would be a good fit for him he's got a lot of uh position a lot of experience then right there along the line even if it was on the opposite side of the line right and then you got jace is a duel behind tunyon and obviously you're you're hoping that he could be like the guy 
um, for Duel if he can ever take that step because he was a third round pick. Tunyon, I believe, was undrafted. Yeah, he was undrafted. Yeah, yeah, and and Jace obviously won't be there for the first two games of the season. Right. Ugh, man, <laughs> Jace, come on, pull it together. You got to get this going. We need you. Yeah. Uh, you got Isaac Nada. So size wise, he is not one of the real heavy guys. He's a little bit shorter than Jace. He's two inches shorter than Tunyon. Um, he's a little bit uh, weight wise. He's in between those two guys. So he's he's the shortest. And uh, on a per inch basis, he's heavier than Tunyon and Sternberger. I think probably he still slots right in there as that dual tight end. He's 24 years old. This is his third year in the league. Uh, I believe he was undrafted as well. Uh, Josiah Deguara is your main man at that F tight end, the H back. And if he can get healthy, man, we need him out there. He's still limping around and seems to still seems to still be heavily into his, his, uh, physical therapy and recovery. And in the meantime, this is the guy who I think could be maybe that number five tight end, Dominique Daphne. I like him. Oh, uh, we all love him. Love him to death. Yep. And and he is the F as long as DeGuara is still recovering. And, I mean, I think the Packers are setting a record for Indiana State tight ends right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because uh, Tunyon's also from there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Really uh, interesting. Well, the, those are your tight ends. I think you got a lot of talent in the room. I think that they're, like I said, there are five guys who I really think are worth keeping. Um, and then uh, Bronson, Kafusi, Isaac Nodded. I think I think the Packers would like to have him back on the practice squad. I don't know if I see it happening. But Daphne, he might earn a fifth tight end spot on the roster. Uh, I, I don't, and he can I don't, do special I don't think Jace well. is getting cut. I don't think Jace is getting cut. Yeah, that's true. Daphne on special teams. That's a big deal. Yes, it, it, that that could cement him a roster spot. And then the other thing to keep in mind is, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, we still have the extended practice squads uh, like yes, last do. year. So that that allows a little more flexibility for all the teams. And yeah, I get the, the feeling the, problem... the Packers will have at least one tight end on that list. The problem, though, is that you got to be really picky about who you put on there, because I think if you cut Daphne, I don't know how great his odds are of making it to the practice squad. I think a team like the Lions might snatch him up in a heartbeat. Very possible. Very possible. But then, you know, you have other players who you could uh, put on there. I don't want to lose that. I, I like Daphne. He just he was a great story last year. And when yeah, he caught he, that touchdown pass, it, it was great. It was great. Yep. yep. All righty. All righty. We got to uh, hurry along here and hit our debate topic for this week. Are you ready? I am always ready. All right. You get to you get to pick first. Hopefully you win this week. Hopefully not. <laughs> all right. Who's the most important position coach for the Packers? This year, uh, I, I'm going with Adam Stenovich, offensive line. Uh you know that David Bakhtiari may not be ready to start the season. You know Corey Lindsley isn't back. Uh, you've got a lot of young guys who have been drafted both in 2020 and 2021 who you're trying to teach and integrate into the lineup. 
And you've got guys like Elton Jenkins and Billy Turner and Lucas Patrick and even, you know, some of the rookies who can play multiple positions. And that's something the Packers look for. You need a guy like Stenovich who can coach those guys up, get them ready to fill in. You know, next man up on the offensive line is vital. And when you got guys like last year, I think Jenkins played at least four out of the five possible uh, offensive line positions. You need a great coach to to help make that possible. Uh, and I think Stenovich gets that done, and, and it's vital that he continues to get that done this year, especially with a probable with the probability of a rookie starting at center. Man, Stenovich is a genius. He's awesome. I love him. The problem with your argument is I think we have two Stenoviches. Luke Butkus is the assistant offensive line coach. They had to, uh, you know, sweet talk him into into sticking around this year. I think uh, at the at the end of this season, it's very conceivable that either Stenovich or Luke Butkus are hired away to another team for a very important job. I think Stenovich could easily go be an offensive coordinator somewhere. Or if he does stay, I think Luke Butkus could very easily be the offensive line coach for just about any team in the league. I think they are both phenomenal. They work very, very well together. Super, uh, super smart guys. A lot of, a lot of chemistry, both, um, really know these guys a lot. They, they are, um, like you said, what we saw from them last year with shifting guys all over the offensive line, uh, it was amazing. And I'm sure they're going to do the same thing again this year. But the problem is I think you got two of them. And for that reason, I'm not so sure that Stenovich singularly is as important to the team's success. And for that reason, uh, I think I'm going to have to say, although I almost went with Jerry Gray, I'm taking Mike Smith. What's the reason for that? Well, look, last year was a bad year overall for defenses. Okay, this was true across the league. It was a very true for the Packers. We saw the defense take a massive slump. And even in the midst of that, Zadarius was awesome. And Mike Smith has a really long history of taking guys who are just okay and making them awesome. You saw who was it? D Ford with the chiefs. He'd been like pretty terrible. Like he was laughably bad. And Mike Smith turned him around and made him just an elite lethal hunter of quarterbacks. And you saw his first year here with Zadarius Smith, you know, Zadarius uh, got some great coaching in Baltimore And he's a great guy and a great player. But him working together with Mike Smith just unlocked a level that he had never even sniffed previously. And he didn't get to go to the Pro Bowl that year because Pro Bowl voting is stupid. Fortunately, they made up for it the following year. But in in 2019, he had like uh, one one of the top pressure rating, uh, pressure percentages of all time. Uh, in, in 2019, ranking up there with uh, like Von Miller, better than uh, a lot of the really big names across the NFL, Aaron Donald, uh, J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, 
He was a freak in 2019. And I think even when you look at how much the entire defense regressed last year with no fans in the stands and the eerily quiet stadiums everywhere, Zadarius was still a freak. Rashawn Gary was still a freak. I think he's the most important position coach by a mile because you take him out of there and, you know, you got Rashawn Gary. I think you got Preston, who was never special at all before he came to Green Bay and worked with Mike Smith. And, yeah, he had another down year last year. But even the Packers, Brian Gutekunst came out and personally said, yeah, I expect Preston is going to take a step back up this year. Um, you know, what he did last year is not what we were looking for. And we all think he's going to take a step back up this year. You need to continue the development of Rashawn. I think Mike Smith is the guy to do it. And man, is he a player's coach? Those guys are totally bought into him. Mike Smith all the way. I got my flag right here. (laughs) Look, I, I, I love the job Mike Smith does, but I think, you know, he's got a top three that is more or less etched in stone in Zadarius Preston and Rashawn Gary. Uh, Whereas the offensive line situation is a lot more unsettled right now. And that's why I'm leaning in the direction of Stenovich as the most important assistant in camp this year, but we'll see. Let's put it to the vote. All right, fans, you got to uh, weigh in and settle this. Is it Mike Smith or is it Adam Stenovich? We're going to post the poll to the top of our Twitter profiles. Like we do every week. Go to Twitter.com, check out at JJ Leahy and at Kilpackers. Both of us will post the same poll to the top of our page. Vote, and also please remember to fill out our listener survey. We we want as many responses as we can get. Uh, if you are someone who listens to our show with any kind of regularity at all, we would super appreciate you um, doing that for us and, and filling that out. Alrighty. Wow. Oh, go ahead. We, we just want to make the show the best we can for our listeners, and, and we appreciate your help. Come on. Throw Gil a bone here. You know he's not going to win the debate because he never does. At oh, least, I'm winning this one. I'm at winning. least give him this the survey <laughs> response. I don't need charity here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's it for today. We'll be right back here next week, hopefully with your charity for Gil. Follow us on Twitter, <laughs> at Gil Packers Charity. I mean, at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can also email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not